Be good. <laughs> Hello, friends. Hello, strangers. Welcome to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew. My wife, Tiffany, and our little dog, Paley, are out for a walk at the moment, and I'm recording this episode, uh, the intro, rather, to this episode in in a parking lot out in front of a very beautiful library, and we're getting it done a little bit early because we're probably going to be out in the woods and in the middle of nowhere for a little while, so I need to get all this up and ready to go for our friends and listeners out there in the world. And I would just want to get right into telling you about today's guest. I like everybody that we've met on this trip, and particularly all the people we've had on the show, but this guy in particular was something special. His name is Ricardo Serpa. Now, um, you're going to hear all about Ricardo and what he does on the episode. Um, But we met him in Chicken, Alaska, on our way out of the state and uh, into Canada. And immediately I knew I wanted to get this guy on the show and share him with you. He rode his motorbike from Miami to Alaska. He's done that multiple times. He's an amazing photographer whose work you can check out at ricardoserpa.com. His last name is S-E-R-P-A, R-I-C-A-R-D-O, serpa.com. I'll put a link as well in, uh, on, on our website to his amazing, amazing site. Um, and yeah, he's just a he's one of those people that has an idea and follows through with it and makes it happen and makes it special and beautiful and cool. And so we're very very fortunate to have had the time to sit with him and um, and connect. And uh, I think you'll like it. At least I hope you will. I can't see why you wouldn't tell your friends. Okay, uh, a couple other things. Uh, we are going to start reading the journal that I write on the podcast, uh, in between episodes with guests. So if you do not give a shit about what we're doing or where we're going, I don't blame you. Uh, but that's, those will be in between, uh, guests. So I don't know how often I'm going to do them, how often I'll be reading them, but, uh, enough people have said that that would be convenient for them. They would rather hear it than read it. So that'll be coming up soon. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go back into the old ones or just read the next one. We'll figure it out, but keep an eye out for uh for journals and i guess I'll, I'll label them differently so if they show up in itunes or stitcher you'll you'll know what it is uh, i want to thank all of our new patrons on patreon it's hugely hugely helpful you people out there who are um, supporting some of you for 25 cents an episode which is fantastic some of you are doing five bucks a month incredible there are people giving even more which is mind-blowing to me and um it really does help uh, thank you so much. If you're interested in joining those wonderful people, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash monkey tooth. And there's also a link on our website, mtp.dog. Uh, there's links there to all sorts of good stuff. Uh, and if you've not left us a review on Stitcher, Stitcher? Yeah, Stitcher or iTunes, please do so. It's, uh, it's great for everybody involved if you can do that. And that's, that's it. We've got some good episodes coming up. I really hope you enjoy those when they show up. 
but this one I don't know I'm kind of I'm, I'm proud of it I really enjoyed doing it and I hope I hope you enjoy it as well and I hope uh, hope you're out there doing fun and interesting things yourself and if there's something you want to tell me about send me a note mtp.dog forward slash contact and let us know what you're up to okay have fun take care enjoy this episode with ricardo serpa until next time bye-bye okay well my name is ricardo uh i live in florida north miami beach i'm 57 and i've been a professional photographer for over 30 years now yeah about 30 years and what i do now at this stage of my life of my photography career i travel i travel with a motorcycle uh trying to go to remote places and very far away places or places where people don't usually go for a very single reason um nowadays everyone is a photographer it's a difficult thing to be a photographer it used to be that you needed some skills and you need the sets of uh, knowledge that now the phones just destroyed or I wouldn't say destroyed it just made uh, photography more accessible on the other hand for professional photographers people who make a living out of this it made life much more difficult so five years ago I found out that it would be a great idea to combine passions at this point in my life. I love meeting people, I love traveling, I love motorcycles, and of course I love uh, photography, besides writing. So if I can travel, I can put all these passions in motion. Yeah, and you picked a motorcycle. I picked a motorcycle, basically because I always had fun with motorcycles. And it's funny, I'm not a motorcycle freak. I mean, I know about motorcycles because I have to. I don't know how to fix them. Hmm. I don't know how to change a tire. Yeah. I know how to ride them. So um, I guess it's a genuine passion. Yeah. Exactly because I don't know how to how to do much with it, except riding. But enjoy it. You know how to enjoy it quite well. And the the thing that uh, I think would certainly set your photography apart is that you can get to places on a motorcycle you cannot get to in a vehicle like this exactly i mean you've the a whole other portion of the world is open to you in a way that's not open to others so yes that's a that's a pretty good it's pretty good and actually i don't want to sound corny but when you are riding you have the the ground the road is like 12 15 feet inches right yeah. under your foot and you can smell and you can you can smell things and you can see things and especially you can go off roads and yeah and just go, go places yeah yeah so you started your journey uh this particular trip that you're on right now when did you leave florida i left florida early june early first june. week of june yes and i went straight to seattle i had uh, two presentations there it's near Seattle, about 100 miles east. It was a motorcycle rally oh, cool. by a big company called Touratech. They do motorcycle parts and gear for long-distance traveling. Yeah. became quite a big company, and every year they have a, a rally 
thousand guys show up, camp for four days and go out riding. Yeah. And listen to presentations. So I was called to do two presentations, one in photography, one about photography and motorcycles, and the other about my trips from Florida to Alaska and back. Yeah. So I did that 10 days. Florida to Seattle, and then I had enough time to kill. I thought I, I would go to, I would come to Alaska. Yeah. Um, but I spent close to a month riding Washington, Oregon, and California, and Nevada. Yes. Um, I have a wife whom I love very much, so she doesn't ride. Mm. And one of the secrets of these long trips is to be able to uh, insert her in the trip somehow. Yes. Which can be tricky because she doesn't ride. Oh. So this year, I parked my bike in Vegas uh, for two weeks. She flew in. We rented a Jeep. And we spent two weeks in Utah, uh, Colorado, and Arizona, Grand Canyon, Bryce, Zion, yeah. Moab, um, just taking photos and enjoying the time together. That's great. And then July 24th, she left. <laughs> and it was 110 degrees oh, in Vegas. God. I had to pick up my bike, be alone, and drive up north. And that's what I did. Yeah. I came all the way to Alaska. That's my fourth time coming here on a bike. Yeah. And arrived here eight days ago, nine days ago. And this year, Alaska didn't <laughs> didn't receive me with open arms. Yeah, received you with rain, with rain, rain and goats. Um, <laughs> but by by now, I have really good friends around. Yeah, and it was all about visiting these friends. So yeah, you've made the best of a good of a not terrible situation. Exactly, you made the best of a good situation. I think. <laughs> yeah, I cannot say it's a bad situation. Yeah, no, that's great. Even the worst day. On the road, raining and hail and whatever, beats a day in a cubicle. We have a very similar uh, take on work, and uh, and and you, you, we talked about the difference between work and and passion. Mm -hmm. You know, and you uh, you had a very different work life than you currently do. You've not always been a photographer. No, um, you came to it uh, in a, in a way that I thought was really special. You talked about your father. Do you mind telling that again? No, of Sorry course to ask not. You to no, of course not. Uh, what I was telling over dinner. Is basically the 
what I think is the foundation of everything I do in life today. Uh, I think I can backtrack and know exactly that moment in my life when I started having a different perspective that led me to where I am today. I didn't build it overnight. It took me a few decades to get there. But when I was 22 years old, I lost my father. He was 47 years old. And just before he, he left, one month before, uh, we had a dinner together at home. Uh, and he made me a series of very interesting questions over three bottles of wine. Um, he was 47, I'm 22, and he asks me if I'm happy. And I say, I'm happy, of course I'm happy, just like you are. And he goes, I'm not asking about this, this type of happy. I'm talking about something deeper. And I was a little surprised and I said to him, I don't know. That kind of happiness, I don't know. And he goes, then you better start asking. Because I'm 47 and I realize I'm not, which came as a shock. He was this amazing guy, funny guy, and very smart. And, and I asked him why, and he told me, well, I always did what the two important women in my life told me to do. My mother and your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 47 now, and I decided it's time for me to do what I want to do. And he wanted to open a restaurant. He had a business, and so I was impressed. And I wish I had more time to ask him uh, about the reasons, but the only thing he was able to tell me is this. Uh, I decided I'm not working for money anymore. I'm working for passion. And at this moment in my life, that's what I need to do. Uh, I don't care much for money. I have what I need. Uh, and I believe if you work on something that you like, you will be probably good at it. And therefore, some money will come also. Yeah. And one month later, he wasn't there anymore. And that served me as a red flag, as a gift, as, a gift, as you name it. Yeah. And this is it. 30 years later, yeah. I'm trying to combine my passions. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's a powerful, powerful gift. That it to, was to have any sort of message left behind, you know, and, and that he gave it to you in such a powerful way. Yes, where he was admitting something. You don't expect your father to admit anything to you. You know, I I only saw my father cry twice, or no, three times, and when, it was when his parents died and his dog died. Other than that, like it would just he never admitted anything. There was no chink in the armor. You know, he was very. This, but, imagine G's, Andrew, in Brazil with the macho yeah. culture. You don't cry. Yeah. Men don't cry. Um, but my father was man enough to cry and to let me know about his feelings. Yeah. Not always. Sure. But Took really him three bottles of a nice Portuguese <laughs> rosé wine. But <laughs> hey, that's a that's a good recipe for a lot of things, man. Never mind. Yes. But that's. Do you do you feel sorry to jump way into the future? But do you feel like you have that sort of relationship with your your family? Do you, are you? You Definitely. seem like a very open sort of guy. Oh yeah, uh, I have four kids, two mm -hmm. girls and two two boys. Um, 
and I always try to to be absolutely honest with them, mm-hmm. absolutely transparent, and basically that same message that my father gave me, I already passed to them. Yeah, and which is funny because one of my my kids, my daughter, my third kid, uh, graduated at Northwestern and is working at Morgan Stanley at 24 years old. um, She heard the part of money, but she said, ah, I better make some money now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. She likes what she does and she's good at it. And she's just at these moments of her life where... Sure. And you took a similar path. You you didn't immediately jump ship no, from no. what you were doing at no. 22. And I stayed in the corporate world. Yeah. I was an export manager for a tobacco company, traveling the whole world. And I did it for six years more uh, after my father passed. And yeah. by 28, I had a, a close call, meaning I almost died in a car accident. And I was fortunate enough to had enough time during the accident to realize what was going on, that I was dying at 28. And I wasn't scared, but I was really, really upset that I was going to die just like my father, doing something, selling cigarettes. Yeah. At that moment, you are not the export manager. You are just a cigarette salesman. Yeah. You squeeze it, and that's what, what it is. So I decided right there that it was time to change gears, yeah. quit my job, and became a photographer, a full-time photojournalist. I was very lucky, but as they say, luck only happens if you are, if you position yourself to to be exposed to it. Yes. If you are afraid of the world, if you if you think everything will be wrong, we'll go wrong. Luck will never knock on your door because it's knocking and you are not hearing. Right. Basically. Yeah. Right? So And and you you have a new set of ears when you suddenly feel you're dying and your main expression is that of regret. Yes. And not of anything else. It seems like you told me, you, you, well, do you mind telling me the story? Because you said you flipped in a car. Yes, the, the, <laughs> I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, please tell me. Oh, basically, um, I was in Paraguay, next to Brazil. I was actually in a region between Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil. Mm-hmm. And I was there for one week, launching a new brand of cigarettes in Paraguay, traveling. I, I had visited many, many times the last, the past several months. And that was supposed to be my last visit before the actual launch of the new brand. And I'm doing samples in the little villages and tests. And I had my camera on my lap. That's my passion, right? So, and I had a driver on a Toyota Hilux. And suddenly between one village to the other, raining, I stopped by the side of the road to take a photo of two boys. He kept going, and not three minutes later, he lost control, and the car flipped. He went off the road and hit the shoulder and started flipping, um, rolling. And I'm there thinking, I'm dying. And at the end of the 
when it stopped, I was okay. But I was totally conscious that what I just said, I wasn't scared. I was really, really upset. And that that uh, thought changed everything. Yeah. So two days later, I went back to Rio and I quit my job, basically quit my job. People thought I was traumatized. I lost, maybe I lost a, a nut <laughs> in the accident. Um, but it was the best decision I've ever made my whole life. Yeah. I'm not saying that life was easy, of course. Yeah. Um, but it was the best. It was something I'm very, very proud of. Um, I don't even like to say I'm proud of because I think pride is a little... I know what you mean. Uh, but, I know exactly what you mean. But that I'm proud of. Yes. As, <laughs> um, as you should be. You took a, you said a 15 times less. reduction. Yeah. My salary. <laughs> uh, I got lucky. I told you over dinner. Three months later, I met the right people by chance. And they were all photojournalists, very established ones. And they appreciated the fact that I quit everything to do yeah. that. Yeah. Actually, they basically told me, uh, what makes this very special, is it okay? No, you're fine, sorry. Uh, what made it very special is the fact that I made my mind, I, I did the move. Mm -hmm. I was not thinking of quitting my job and becoming a photographer and talking to photographers. And I believe in life you have to have these... Um, milestones and they better be a little radical i will explain you why i don't believe it's very hard to explain this just talking but imagine that you are in a situation where you want to go to a boat that is by a dock your life is on the dock it's very comfortable your comfort zone is on the dock but you want to go on the boat because that boat may take you to your desired place to your passion you just don't know whether the boat will ever leave right and in that moment i came to the conclusion that most people have one of these three approaches um i want to go on the boat but life here is comfortable i will be very close to the boat when this thing is about to leave i will jump and go it never happens by the moment the boat leaves, you are distracted with something else. And the boat will go. Sec <coughs> Sorry. Second approach. I will put one foot on the boat, one foot on the dock. So as soon as I sense the boat is about to leave, I will jump. And to make that analogy perfect, the boat is always going... <laughs> you know, you never know the tide. You never yeah. know if it's leaving. Yeah. But I know one thing. If you use this strategy for your passion, you will fail miserably. Because, um, let's say, you are not the same guy on the dock anymore. You don't have two feet there. You just have one. Hmm. It's lacking something. Whatever you were doing before, you are not doing it as good as right. you were. Right. As well as you were. And on the boat, you were also never there. Right. You're in neither place. So if you want to be a photographer and you want to work weekends as a photographer, Monday to Friday, you're, the people at work, you start feeling, this guy's not here anymore. Mm -hmm. 
And during the weekend, uh, the weekend when you were doing your warrior time as a photographer, you don't have enough time to really gain knowledge and be good at it or excel at it. So I'm a firm believer that not always, but sometimes jump in it and just see what happens. Yeah. If it doesn't work, crawl back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> swim, learn to swim. Swim. It doesn't matter. Doesn't but matter. Um, the set of skills that you gain, all the sets of skills there are still there. So go back to it. It seems to me like you really listen to your intuition. Now, you listen to yourself. Uh, you, you did that with your, your father, did that with your work. And you in the story you told us about your wife, uh, the woman who's now your wife, yes. you listened. You listened to yourself, your own intuition, instead of looking for guidance necessarily elsewhere or, or for some other sign. You just you said, well, here's what I feel like is going to happen. I'll trust that and I'll... I'll do that. That's exactly right. That seems like, uh, is that an approach you just always take in your life? You just listen yes. to your gut. Which can be, I, I realize that, it can be a dangerous approach because maybe sometimes you think, uh, well, I'm sure I don't know it all. Uh, sometimes I listen to people who, they know better for about something, but ultimately I'm going always with my intuition. Yeah. Uh, but in a very humble way, Andrew, not again. My my truths are my truths, mm-hmm. and I don't even think about stepping in other people's lives and telling what to do. Right. Every now and then, someone hears my hear my story and go, "Should I quit my job?" And I have no clue. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> if you were asking me, probably not. <laughs> That's the only. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. probably should think more about it. Yeah, but you, think it through in, and, yeah. and don't ask strangers if you should quit your job. Yes. That's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also a good start that you were thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, so work on it right. and see what worked for me, not necessarily will work for you. Yeah. Listen to yourself, yes. I think, is the best. And I did this my whole life. And yeah. Again, I'm... I believe that it's a cliche too, but I don't want to grow old and and collect regrets. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have already a few. I think we all do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know people who say, "Well, I have no regrets in life." Uh, you should regret having said that, <laughs> because that's to start with. Of right. course you do. Yeah, of course you do. But uh, they are not major. Major regrets. Yeah. That's, that's put it this way. That's the best you can hope for is to miti- mitigate and minimize the amount of regret you pile up. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you were shown one, what was it? Uh, Mark Twain 
was talking about the uh, he saw um an obituary for himself and he said the uh reports of my death have been over exaggerated yeah <laughs> uh actually the nobel prize that came about from a um an obituary being printed about the wrong nobel brother uh, one of the one of the brothers, or several Nobel brothers, uh-huh. and they were arms manufacturers. They made, I think, dynamite and these crazy weapons. I didn't know that, yeah. really. Yes, and one of them died. Okay, so uh, the one that was living had an obituary written about him, and he, when he read it, it was focused very heavily on his contribution to the dismemberment and death and destruction and having been an arms manufacturer. Uh-huh. And he was so taken with the idea of his name forever being synonymous with, with death and destruction and war, that he came up with a Nobel Peace Prize to, to, to then tie never, his name. Yeah, never thought about reading the. <laughs> yeah, who is Nobel, right? So that, but sorry, the point of that long, goofy story was that regret can really push you in a in a way that's meaningful, long after you're gone. Oh, and, yes. and that you you have taken this approach from that moment with your father and in that moment in a near-death situation, instead of thinking about anything else, you were filled with that regret. And you almost it's almost like you got to read your own obituary. You know, yes, in, in a way. way it is. You are and, totally right. And That's a good insight. And you've you've passed that along. Like you've you've made that point to your children. You're making it right now to however many people end up listening to this show. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a pretty... Uh, I don't know. It's a nice gift that keeps on giving in a in a beautiful and meaningful way. And what I try to do now, you are absolutely right, Andrew. And what I try to do with my trips now, um, first and foremost, it's a very selfish thing because I want to take photos. That's my. I say selfish because it's in my own uh, benefits. Yeah. Right, um, you're, you're talking to two people who have quit their jobs, have exactly. no children, and just travel <laughs> for two years. So, so you know exactly you're, you're what I mean. You're a good company with selfish, no problem. Uh, but also, in a way, and please don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not I'm not wearing the costume of the the good guy who is trying to impact the world. I'm not. But I know that almost every day when I am on the road, I'm leaving something that I hope it's good mm-hmm. for people. It doesn't happen every day, actually, but every now and then it happens and it's so rewarding. Mm-hmm. It's when you meet people who sees the plate and goes, are you from Florida? And I say, yes, I am, but you are not from Florida with that accent. <laughs> well, you could and be. I, they, they might, you might be Cuban. Everybody could. Oh, could. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, the best one was the guy here, actually here in Canada, who asked me if I was Norwegian. And you won't understand it, but if you see my photo, you'll understand. That's great. Uh, (laughs) It was really funny. But I see people, the best way to give you this example is this. I stop every two hours, one hour and a half when I'm riding, Mm -hmm. stretch, eat something, drink something, right? Restrooms. And I park my bikes, my bike usually in convenience stores. Yes. Yeah, stations along the road. And I stop, I go inside, do whatever I have to do. When I'm back, it's almost guaranteed. Some senior guy, usually seniors, not young people, 
who are there admiring the bike and looking mm. all over it. And by now I can almost guess what's in their heads because it's almost guaranteed. They come to me and say, hey, how are you? Uh, you came all the way from Florida. That's a hell of a trip. And where are you from? And then comes the sentence. I always wanted to do something like that. Yes. And I know, I see it coming. And it's it's kind of a hard moment because I feel sorry for these people I've never met. Mm. But it's you can you can see the and then they are happy too because they met someone who is doing it. Yes. And it's almost like this is enough. So I like right. to share my story and I yeah. give them my cards so they can see my photos. And some of them write back to me and say, thank you so much. You made me travel with you. That's, that's beautiful. Um, it's already something. Yes. That we've, we've experienced that moment with oh, people you. as well. Um, not, not necessarily as many because this is a little bit more like a, a bread van. <laughs> doesn't necessarily look like we're out, out having the adventure of a lifetime. But when people do engage and they see what we're doing, you know, we met a, a gentleman who was in his 80s. And, uh, you know, he always planned on doing that when he retired. He said, but boy, by the time I was retired, I was too, too tired to do it. You know, and he was like making a point of retired. No, you're just tired. I was done. I was tired. I didn't want to go. I didn't have the strength. My muscles had worn out. I had plenty of money, but no muscles, you know, oh. and I couldn't pull it off. And that's that sort of thing. I mean, I think I shared with you, uh, I also lost my father at a young age. Uh -huh. And I see... I see that just potential for the the rug to just get pulled out from underneath you at any time and the need to sort of embrace now in a responsible way. You know, I'm not just throwing caution to the wind, but I'm definitely, um, I'm inspired and encouraged to every day try to get the most out of it and to share it with anyone who's interested in listening that's beautiful yeah. and this is i can relate to these a hundred percent and what you just said Andrew, is it's it's very interesting um you don't have to to brag about it people will come to you mm -hmm. and they will know what you are doing yes and i would like to think that the best thing that can happen to me whenever I have these interactions, when I meet people, uh, is to make them dream a little. It's to yeah. give them, hey, there is more to life than, oh, you are rich. I'm not rich. No. Uh, uh, but you don't work. I work. This is work. So people find excuses all the time not to do something. Right. And most of the times they are correct. They have ties, they have families, sure. they have <sighs> commitments. Right. It's not easy to just say, okay, let me embrace right. my passions. Yes. Uh, we make no judgment on anyone who's of not course. able to... Of course, you cannot. Uh, make that point. <laughs> you cannot. You can't. You can't make any judgment on it. Right? Because you don't know what other people's lives are. Right. Lives are. And the only thing that I know is that the only time I, I become a little judgmental happens very it's very rare is when I know people that they have all the means to do that mm -hmm. they have no ties and they have no 
and still they think the world out there it's absolutely uh, dangerous and there I I'm a little okay look yeah you, That's a little you, frustrating. it's a little frustrating yeah so many people wanting to do something only a few of us can do let's face it not many people can right and again it's not money it's not it's just attitude mindset right and a moment in life Your father told you that if you're good at something and you do that, someone will pay you to do it. It's something you yes. like, you'll be good at, and that person will pay you. Some money will come Some your money way. will come your way. And that's exactly what's happened to you, both in photography and in the motorcycle riding. Yes. Uh, you told us about the you've, you've been hired and get hired from time to time to be a guide. To and, be, have, yes. and have traveled all around the world yes. giving motorcycle tours. <laughs> Where's the most exotic place, or the strangest place you've been? Uh, by far, Mongolia, Siberia and Mongolia. This was something. Um, I was hired to guide a group of Westerners there. But of course, I don't speak Mongolian nor Russian. Never been to Siberia before, never been to Mongolia. So I'm not very indicated to be a, um, a tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> but then... Um, I was told that I was going to be a tour guide just for the Westerners' uh, guests. We were eight. The Russian, there are there are going to be two Russian guys, and it was an older Russian, ex uh, an ex motocross USSR motocross champion. Oh wow, sixty <laughs> yeah. something, and. He was the guy who knew everything in Mongolia, in the northwest part of Mongolia, all desert. Uh, his wife, as a cook, in a truck, on a truck, uh, or in a truck, and his son, 40-something, as a mechanic and a driver, and a younger Russian who could speak English. So this was the group, 12 people, and we spent 15 days riding in the desert in Mongolia, camping, Lots of vodka by the night, fireplace, <laughs> not a soul around in a hundred miles. Mm -hmm. And that was really something. That's beautiful. Um, New Zealand is beautiful also, the South Island. Africa is Africa. It's amazing to ride there. South America too. I got lucky because I, I got these, these tours. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but it's not an easy easy job. No, no, it's definitely you have to deal with problems and make sure everybody makes it there safely and you are dealing with people Andrew. Yeah, and you're dealing with <laughs> people. We're paying a lot of money to to have an experience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they go, I don't have cable TV. No, you are not supposed to have cable TV in Mongolia. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. And you have to deal with that frustration. Yes. But at the same time, you're able to bring your camera. Yes. And you're able to capture these amazing images and populate your new website. Yes. Uh, so tell me... You, so... I guess we're skipping a bunch of time because you did about you did quite a bit between uh, having that car accident and ending up in oh, Miami. Yeah. Uh-huh. Quite a lot has happened to you, but I don't want to make you recount your entire story. But you've for many many years have done wedding and uh, and just ceremony type photography. You've yes. done event like bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs. Bar mitzvahs totally by accident. I. Yeah. But you want to ask something? No, no, or? please. Well, yeah, I was going to say uh, you you went from doing uh, event photography to now you're just you're doing your own art. Yes. You're you're pursuing an art, which I know you you're reluctant to call yourself an artist, but I mean, just in the little tiny bit that we've seen from your phone, you're clearly an artist. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we can say it for you without mm-hmm. worrying about bragging. But so to go from something that you you jumped on the boat again with your passion mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's it's like like you've jumped from the boat into a dinghy <laughs> and you're now <laughs> you're now out in the sea in a dinghy uh that's what, a good good yeah, way to put it yeah. you're going to be scuba diving next i'm not sure what's what's going to happen i hope not because scuba diving means i'm going down i hope i keep afloat <laughs> <laughs> well you're going down into the depths to see even more beauty no, and experience no. when i'm older Andrew. right now i want to stay afloat <laughs> stay afloat yeah but so i so, love scuba i love going <laughs> diving but as it relates be. to this analogy we'll drop the scuba thing so, yeah. <laughs> so but you're on the dinghy at this point, and, which I think is really bold that you've, and it sounded like you had a really good gig with the event photography. Yes. And and you've left that behind. Your kids are grown up. You and your wife have a great relationship. She's happy to come meet you at various points. And you're out here on the sea in the dinghy and <laughs> on the bike uh, and making art. And that you're you're using your travel to populate your portfolio of art what uh, why why do you keep jumping onto different boats um curiosity first and i don't believe it's the different boat it's the same boat Mm. maybe i'm doing a different approach to it but the boat is the same it's to being able being able to be good at something and make a decent life out of it. Uh, it's not about recognition or fame. Mm-hmm. Although, these days we are living, you need social media. You need a lot of stuff that wasn't there when I when we were growing up. And it's a little conflicting. Yes. You have to expose yourself. You have to do some kind of advertising mm-hmm. or quote-unquote bragging sure which it's really not in my spirit it's not in my attitude but you have to say hey this is what i do Mm -hmm. so please go to my website and check it uh for 12 years i was doing event photography and you were right i was 
very well rewarded in all senses. Um, I grew up a lot as a photographer. But when people start booking you three, four years in advance, and it's almost like you end up being a, a victim of your own success, so to say. Because suddenly you have to keep asking all the time, why do you do things in life? I don't ask why I breathe, but I do ask why I like that and what attracts me to this situation, mm. right? So at some point I asked myself and I said, look, I'm making a very good, it's more than a decent life. On the other hand, I'm losing my, my years. Losing, not losing, but I'm being a bit dramatic, but time is just going away, slipping away from my fingers, and I, at some points, I won't be, I won't be, I won't have made a lot of things that I would, and I'm very curious. So yeah. it was not a difficult decision once the kids started their own path. Yeah. So. Um, financially, um, I'm not in the same situation I was three years ago, four years ago. Um, do you say existentially? No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your existential situation is different. Uh, I would say it's <laughs> ten times better. Really? No, ten times is too much. It means that before uh, it wasn't. Right. No, it was a good one, but I'm much happier. Yeah. Doing That's, this and meeting people like you guys doing something that I really take my hats off. You know, you're, it's a big world and a small world. So you are going out to find it. Mm -hmm. and, yes. And see that people are essentially good. That's one of the questions that we have all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Are people essentially, go essentially good or bad? Yeah. And if you look at the history of the world, you would say it's very easy to say essentially bad. With it, all the wars and right. this and that. And it takes you to go out right. and meet real people and you say, you know what, people are awesome. Yeah, well, you were a journalist uh, for, for many years. Yes. So you know that bad makes headlines and bad makes history. Good doesn't make history. No. And good doesn't make headlines. So if you're just reading headlines, yeah, history looks like a shit pile of yes. just bad news and bad things happening. But throughout every single atrocity, there's been 99% good people to whom it's happening and who and around whom that we're trying to prevent it from happening exactly. so we're, we're we're immersed totally right immersed in good people uh, we've been very very fortunate i mean like there are the shitheads that make the bad news happen that's real that's mm -hmm. totally real but for the most part it's a it's a world chock full of kind and loving and and good people yeah but you have to go out there and find it and yes. when you do you will find this out firsthand mm -hmm. in the next few years on the road. Mm -hmm. When you find this, life can be almost, um, what's the word, it's not exciting, but you know, it can be inebriating. You can- <laughs> Intoxicating. Intoxicating. Yes. yes. Just with kindness of people and the way they, what they do in life. I met yeah. so many people traveling. Mm -hmm. Probably in the past five years, I've done over a hundred and easily over a hundred thousand miles. Yeah. Probably a little more. Yeah. And I've met so many people. 
I've met people 75 years old, totally white hair, very small old ladies riding motorcycles in Alaska by themselves. Yeah. I go, what are you doing? May I ask you? Yes, I lost my wife, my, my husband 15 years ago. My son gave me this little bike. He created a monster because <laughs> I love doing yeah. it. <laughs> and what do you do when the bike falls? It happens, right? You are tired, the bike falls. Oh, it's so easy. I just take my helmet. The moment they see my hair, everyone stops. <laughs> And it's so wonderful. That you is know wonderful. What you <laughs> 75 years old. And I have friends who are 50 and too who are tired too to tired to go yeah. Yeah. on a weekend out. Yeah. Uh, you're a connoisseur of travel. I mean, you've done a lot of travel in, in your work life and I imagine in your personal life. Yeah. There, there's something else in the camaraderie of travelers that, that I've not found anywhere else. I've done you know, bicycle touring. And, and long trail hiking and lots of car trips. And when you meet other travelers, there's an immediate simpatico, like a, a, mm-hmm. a, an embrace that you're just almost waiting for. You can become friends with someone in an instant in a way that you, I don't know that it's always possible elsewhere. It's very hard. This kind of camaraderie, it's very hard, rare. And I would believe that the main reason why this happens is because we have a common grounds mm. and we share this unspoken happiness or or I don't know what's the word. We yeah. share this. It's a very good feeling yes. that we are out there doing something. You are not telling me this. Right. I'm not telling you that, no. but I can sense. And we can share. Actually, I see these, and I can sense. Right. Without knowing you, I I keep looking at these and imagine how many dreams went here, and when you decided to put the little light strip, <laughs> and you were thinking about the little details about the trip. Yes. So your life becomes this trip. Yes. Becomes this trip, and yes. the same happens with me. And this camaraderie mm. has to be. Jeez, yes. this, this certainty that we share something, even though we are not discussing it. Right. You know, another place that I've seen that sort of camaraderie happen, just in thinking about what, you, what you're saying, is in a disaster situation. Uh, we lived in, uh, in New Orleans, and you know, we heard about Katrina and the terrible flood, and you've been around hurricanes and seen some bad Katrina weather. Katrina passed right above... Yeah. My house before reaching to you. Yeah. And that, we, we were there for, not for Katrina, but for other smaller hurricane. And it was um, the way that your neighbors and all the people around you come together in that moment when there's something horrible, mm-hmm. you know, something dangerous, or, you know, there's even just mild discomfort that affects everyone. Everyone kind of comes together. So there's like this disaster psychology that's really kind of similar to travel psychology. Yeah. Although they, we are talking two completely different things. Right. Um, the disaster is you realize there is something bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And you basically realize you are mortal. You are Yeah. But I think a lot of those same exposures are given to you in travel. Like you see, uh, you see, <coughs> you know, 
older folks who are sick and dying, and you you, you meet people who, you know, um, are under how would you put it? Not underprivileged, but you know, people who have very hard lives. And you see you see all these sorts of things. You can almost picture yourself in that situation. You can picture yourself ill or very poor sure. or in, in whatever it is. And that I don't know that that something about the travel gives you a lot of the same things. I think that the disaster can. That's <laughs> something that uh, you gave me some food for thought <laughs> for a few hundred miles. You've got yeah. You can think about because I have to think about this link between disaster <laughs> and traveling. And yeah, there which are, is not a good link. <laughs> it's not the best link. Uh, I tend to think about. I mean, that's another thing that happens while you're traveling, particularly alone. I can imagine with. Do you listen to music while you're on All the bike? All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, so you can think and have lots of different things going on. I listen brain. from classical to Almond Brothers to Credence Clearwater Revival yeah. to Pink Floyd to Brazilian music. Yeah. You got to turn me on to some Brazilian music. I'd like to. Do, oh, do you still follow you know, Bossa Nova, of yeah. course. And yeah. We keep on Great. Great. changing emails. <laughs> yeah. Exchanging emails, I will send you some good stuff. Great. Great. Well, uh, um, uh, I listen to music. Um, um, I write a lot, but these I keep to, to myself. Mm. Um, and maybe one day, who knows, I'll start publishing something. Yeah. Well, your your new um, big idea book on the psychology of travel and disaster, I uh, really am looking forward <laughs> to reading sometime in the 2020s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I, once I figure it out, I'll give you a yeah. card and say, hey, Andrew, is like, that what you meant? Yeah, I wrote a book about this guy's bullshit thesis that, <laughs> that there's some connection, there is no connection between travel and disaster. Yeah, I found out. I found no out. No, this guy's bullshit. That's great. So, um, you're going to go, when are you heading back to Florida? I'm starting, actually, I started yesterday. So, this is, yeah. So but it will take me about two months to go there. I still have to... To tell you the truth, today is what? Today is Saturday, Saturday August 11th. 11th. Yeah. And I'm riding here thinking, I feel like Alaska expelled me this time. <laughs> <laughs> I just stayed here eight days instead of three weeks. So because of the rain and the bad weather. And I'm riding here thinking all the time, should I come back tomorrow? <laughs> should I go back and try to spend a few more days. But that's what I was working on. I was looking at the the forecast. It's going to be a lot of water in, in yeah. Alaska. Yeah. And cold. So I've been there a few times. I don't need to do it. I will start going back home, but it will take me two months. Your friend that you met here, Jack. Jack, do you mind like talking about how you met him and how you've continued that friendship? Yeah, sure. Uh, Jack, when I first came here, that was 2013. In 2012, I started doing some research, right? Some okay, what do I do? What kind of route? And where do I go? 
and I found a, a forum, an internet forum called ADV Rider, Adventure Rider. I didn't know about it. It's a big forum for people on two wheels. And you have maybe 200 or 300,000 members from all over the world. You have separate chapters. So if you want to read about road conditions in Colombia or Nepal, you have some kind of report wow. there. That's pretty great. Yeah, it's really yeah. great. You just have to go. It's free. You just have to go in, log in, I mean, register. We could use that. You can use that. Yeah, of course. ADV Rider. Okay. It's very interesting. Border crossing. Even though it's for motorcycles, you will find something useful there. Yeah. And I'm there looking at the Alaska Forum and checking all the posts, not riding. And after a few months... I post something, finally. I usually don't post. Um, I like to read. And I don't like to, to spend time there <laughs> on a conversation with someone I, I don't know. It's usually a bad conversation. Someone is trying to prove his point. Or, right, right. Um, so I stay away from it. But I decided to post something, and I said something along the lines of, Thank you, everyone here. Uh, these past few months, I was a stalker. I read a lot. And basically, I got a lot of good information. My name is Ricardo. I'm planning to leave Florida in June, do my first long trip to Alaska and be back and so on. And many people replied. But Jack, who is this guy who is he's close to his 80s now, he has lived in Alaska since 59, so he's a guy who knows a lot about. He used to be a trucker. He works until now as a AC technician, so boilers. So yeah. he helps people around where he lives. He doesn't stop. And this guy writes me a, a private message saying, Hey, I'm Jack. I, I've been living here forever. Uh, welcome, I hope you can make it. And by the way, the questions you have about tires, uh, as long as they are round, black and made of rubber, you are fine. <laughs> and basically, he said it right there. Yeah. Don't worry too much. Don't stress. Yeah. Come here and see. You'll figure it out. And figure it out. Um, uh, we, we exchanged a few more messages. He's a really nice guy. And... The day I arrived here in 2013, I crossed the border, Beaver Creek, and Toke is 80 miles, right? So I'm there, and he had, you know the spot? Do you know what the spot is? Or an Inridge? Mm -mm. Inridge. Inridge, no. These are little devices that are very, very... Like a satellite? Like a satellite. It keeps sending you pings, so okay. it's a tracker. Right. My wife knows where I am. Yes. It's peace of mind. It's amazing. Um, and Jack had my route. So I'm in Tok. I arrive in Tok. I take off my helmet. Who is there? Jack. He drove 70 miles just to say, welcome to Alaska. Let's wow. have a Halibut burger. And by the way, if you want to go to Prudhoe, go now because there is a window of three days. After that, lots of rain. Oh. So I did it. I got to, to Prudhoe Bay. 
I had internet signal there. The moment I got there, there is a message from Jack. Well done. I thought you would be there 15 minutes later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's people like this, people who you yeah. meet during your travels. And I think this is something that I like a lot too about the travels. It completely redefined my notion of friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have lifelong friends, people I know, I've met, I've, I've known since I was 10. Amazing friends. And I have friends that, it's hard to say, but I would say they are as important in my life now as my old friends, people I just met three years ago. And as I'm sure from just this little meeting that we had, we share so much in common. Mm -hmm. If you were around, we would be friends. No matter if I live in Florida, live in California, and we stay three years without seeing each other. Yeah. It's just that maybe it's becoming rarer, more difficult to find people with similar mindsets or similar it's not it's only mindset sorry it's not mindset it's difficult to find people with the same openness right to life that's i think that defines it right very easy to get isolated yeah and like oh yes yeah very Uh, and tiffany this is something from coming from someone who likes to travel alone yeah, you feel less isolated traveling alone. Oh, you way, can. way less, yes. way less. Yeah. If I'm traveling with a friend, I feel isolated. Mm. Because people look at you and they don't approach you. You are right. self-contained. You're already in a group. And right. when you are by yourself, uh, people tend to see you as more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So they tend to open. I, I can't begin to tell you how many times I was invited to people's houses to hey come on sleep here my wife won't be won't complain she <laughs> love to have you there yeah. be my yeah. guest and yeah. yeah and this is wonderful yeah. a lot of people who are at home and not traveling look forward to having travelers around because it's you're back on the road for that little time that that person's around Exactly. That's why a lot of people start Airbnbs or they have, you know, some sort of camping situation in their yard. Uh, we, we, on a bicycle tour, did a lot of, um, it's called warm showers, where it's, it's made for, for cyclists, where you can just come stay in their home. Maybe you just sleep in their yard. Maybe you just get a shower. But they have, you know, a network of people who look forward to travelers being in their life, you know. Yeah, isn't that amazing mm-hmm. that you know you have this out there? Mm-hmm. Yes. And most people who are engaged in this, they have to be good people. They have yeah. to be yeah. interesting people. Yeah. People right. you would like to connect somehow. Right. Yeah. Well, cheers to that. I I, I know you're trying to get uh, onto the Dalton Highway in the morning, maybe. No, Dempster. Dempster. The in, Dempster. The mor- in the morning. They all... I can never remember anything. <laughs> I just dri- I mentioned I just drive. I'm just the driver. Yeah. But so yeah, Tiffany so knows the road. Tiffany knows the road. She's got the map. I just keep my foot on the gas. But uh, <laughs> I know it's it's getting late, and uh, we've we've had you for over an hour now. So really, yeah. yeah. Wow, time flies when you're. 
never noticed. <laughs> but well, all I can say it's thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. For is is there? I mean, you've you've kind of you really sort of summed it up early uh, in what you said um, about following passion and following your love. But is there anything you'd want to say to every to anyone? Any um, piece of advice? Basically. I don't want to sound, I don't know what's the word, word but since I summarized this in the beginning, um, if some people out there feels a little curious about everything we just talked, um, I guess my only suggestion would be rewind and listen to it again, because that's it, the message is there. It's, <laughs> Go, go out there and be happy and stay well and stay safe and respect people and try to do good and try to be open about life. Try to not live by prejudice or third-party informations. Try to figure out the world by yourself, basically. Is that too much to ask? I don't know. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great advice. <laughs> All right, and cheers. And thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys, and it was a, really a pleasure and an honor to, yeah. to have met you. And I, I have to finish saying I will hope in, in soon you'll be in Ushuaia or whatever, yes. wherever. Yes. Well, if, you, if we get a satellite ping to you and you write us back, I thought you would have been there earlier. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll know that we've done it well. You know. I won't say that. I would just say I'm so happy that so, you were there. So we're surprised you actually made it. No, that's that. We've, everything I saw here, I won't be surprised. Oh, I know you would do it. Well, safe travels, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you too. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither while they pass, they slip away across the universe. Pools of sorrow, waves of joy are drifting through my open mind, possessing and caressing me. Tiffany here, saying thank you for listening to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you haven't already, or it's been a while, check out our website, mtp.dog. There's plenty of information there. An About tab with a little bio on Andrew, myself, and our dog Pele. There's also a Van Build tab, detailing how we did our van conversion. A Journal tab, and we, as an Andrew, are doing our best to keep that up to date. And last but not least, a contact tab, where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. 
If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all. Yeah.